that. That's fun. Um, good morning again, church. Real quick, um, I do feel like it's not nearly as important, but I do want to highlight today is Jeff's birthday. So um, he, he and I both are still clinging to our 30s. So that's ve- very quickly approaching the rearview mirror, but we're both still in our 30s. My birthday was Wednesday. Um, so I'm four days his senior pastor. Um, <laughs> but that mean, he's got the abundance of wisdom for sure. Um, the other thing, and if you're, if you're newer with us this morning, I promise people come and stay at Redemption, and we're super thankful for you guys. But Keys, I also wanted to just acknowledge y'all. Like, today is uh, Forrest and Summer and Sienna and his sage back there. Sage's last Sunday with us as well. And so we have a little gift for you guys, too. Um, hopefully this doesn't feel... We're, we're super grateful for them as well. They're on an adventure to, uh, to North Carolina. So uh, Forrest serves our country in the military, and their three years here is up. And so they're, they're on to, uh, to the next stop and excited for you guys and, and what the Lord has for you guys there. And uh, going to miss you a ton for sure, but, um, but just, just stoked for for this next season and believe it's going to be really good for your family. So, um, so I've got to do this. I've got to cut three quarters of my sermon out on the fly. So we're, this is all going to be an adventure together. If you have your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 3. Um, we are in kind of this highly practical portion of the, our study through the book of Colossians. And last week, if you were with us, Jeff talked about marriage and the design, and he really called us to remember God's design, God's intent for marriage, the, the love that we're called to, the hope that we have in the gospel. And, um, and, and I don't know if he knew he was doing this or not, but he used one of my favorite Bible words, the word remember. Some 500 times in the Word of God, we are commanded to remember something from the Word of God. And I think that's for people like me who are super prone to forget. And and as I listened last week and then prayed and processed this week, this morning, uh, my hope is I'm going to share a second favorite Bible word that I have uh, is the word behold. The word behold appears in your Bible close to 1,500 times. And that word is an important word for you and I to grab hold of and notice when we're studying the word of God. Because really, what the authors are intending to communicate is that we need to pay attention to what is happening. We need to make sure we don't miss out on what's taking place. And so last week, Jeff called us to remember the gospel and allow that to infuse our marriage relationship. This morning, I want us to behold the gospel and allow that to flow out and transform again as we're in this, we're in this behavior section of Colossians. It has to be, as this morning we're going to look at how to be a child and how to be a parent. So you guys right here, 
Young ladies, you're like my favorite row. I love this right here. Um, I love all of you too, but this is just awesome. Like, as we're going to get to talk about children today, like, Paul's got something for you guys and for all of us today. But before we get into our roles and responsibilities, I think it's so important that we behold, that we pay attention, that we don't miss Jesus. Before we get into doing, we have to be with him. And so this morning, my, my hope is that we would behold Jesus. And that as we behold Jesus, we will get a greater passion and presence for him in our stories. And that would allow us to, to not just become better children or parents, but rather, Jesus will transform us. That our goal this morning is not become more obedient children, become better parents. That's not the goal. The goal is to encounter, to not miss Jesus. And so here's what I want us to do. We're going to go back to go forward. So if you have your Bibles, flip a few pages back from Colossians 3. And what I want us to do is for just a few moments, behold the Jesus that Paul has taken a ton of time and energy to put on display for the church in Colossae, who's struggling with, do we just try harder or do we abandon everything and just live for the world? And, and he wants them to see and marvel at the beauty of Christ and allow Jesus to then transform how they live. And so I want us to start this morning by paying attention to what Paul has already told us. Who is Jesus? And so we're going to read Colossians 1, 15 through 20. And I'm just going to remind us quickly of what we see about who Jesus is. And then I want us to just practice some stillness and silence for just a minute as we pay attention, as we marvel, as we sit at the feet of Jesus. And so as I read through these verses, I would just encourage you, whatever helps you in these next couple of moments, really dial in and not miss how Paul is going to tell us who Jesus is. If you need to close your eyes, close your eyes. If you need to look at the screens because you didn't bring a Bible with you, if you need to look down, if you need to take notes, if you need to highlight or underline, whatever helps you be present in this moment. I just want us as a family to behold Jesus. And so Paul tells us this, that Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, that by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together, that he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. When we behold Jesus, we get to see God in the flesh. 
We see the creator of all things. We see him who holds all things together. That includes your family, your marriage. He holds it together. We see the leader of the church. We see the beginning. We see the firstborn of the dead. He is, he is there at the very beginning creating all things. He also, so he brings about life, and then by his death and resurrection, he is the firstborn that brings about new life. All life starts with Jesus. We see the one who is preeminent. He rules and reigns over absolutely everything, again, including your marriage and your families, including your moms and dads. It includes them. He's over everything. We see the fullness of God. God in entirety dwells pleasingly in Jesus And then at the very end of that passage, we saw a rescuer that he came to reconcile all things to himself. And if you look back again, how did he do it? By making peace by the blood of whose cross? His cross. This was his mission and plan to suffer and die, conquering death, bringing about new life, and it makes peace. And so if you came in here this morning in your home, your marriage, your family is not a place of peace, you start by beholding Jesus. It's not for you to just try harder. It's for you to not miss Jesus. He's the bringer of peace. He makes peace by the blood of his cross. It starts inside you. When we behold Jesus, it transforms us, and Jesus will make us better children and better parents. And when we behold him, it changes everything. It begins inside of us. But so here's what I want us to do. For just a moment, I want to give us an opportunity to behold him again. And we're just going to be still And we're going to be silent before the Son of God. And to maybe help those of you who are a little more visual, who who struggle with silence and solitude, I do believe that's a little bit more of a lost practice that I would love for the Lord to breathe new life into. I have been soaking this month in the first three chapters of Revelation. And and Revelation, chapters one through three, there's this awesome encounter that John has with the risen Son of God, King Jesus, and then Jesus starts to instruct John to write these letters to churches that are struggling in different ways and in different seasons. But before that, John gets to see Jesus. And so what I want to do, we're going to take like 45 seconds, and I want us to behold Jesus. And this is an excerpt from Revelation 1 that gives a picture of King Jesus. And so as you behold him, as you pay attention and don't miss him, if this helps you to just focus your mind and heart, allow, I'm going to give you permission, let your imagination go wild here for just a few seconds. But let's behold Jesus before looking at our roles and responsibilities.
Jesus, I pray that in this room, our hearts and minds are paying attention to you, that we are not missing you. God, I thank you for this picture in Revelation that gives us one that is maybe so much different than the picture that can easily pop into our heads, one of power, one of authority, one of confidence, one of care as, Father, you you hold the stars in your hand, but yet you're bright and shining like the sun. And so, Father, I thank you that you are glorious. Jesus, that you are worthy of our praise. You are worthy of our affection. You are so worthy for us to behold. I pray that nothing else would hold any desire for us, that you would be our heart's affection, and that from that internal transformation, Lord, would you change marriages? Would you change families? Would you change work environments? God, I pray that it would start with us looking to you, being changed by you. I thank you that you were a rescuer on a mission that frees us to be able to approach. It is in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, when we behold Jesus, it changes everything. And so we have to start there. But where Paul's going to take us, again, last week he looked at marriages, and we're kind of working out from the inside as Paul has spent a great deal of time looking at our relationship with the Father. Now we're in this section where he's saying, okay, let's look at how Jesus impacts your marriage. And today we're going to talk about how it impacts our families. So here we go. Colossians 3, 20 through 21. He says, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. How do you guys feel about that, just out of curiosity? Obey your parents in everything. Can you give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down? They're not looking. It's fine. You guys are thumbs up. You're on church behavior right now. Fathers, he says, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Let's take a look at the roles that Paul brings up here. Children, and I'm just going to kind of talk to you guys. I know there's children over here, everywhere, but kids, let, let, me, let me do a say by the bell. You guys don't get that reference. Um, a say by the bell. Let's define who's Paul, who Paul is talking to when he says children. In this culture, they did, I believe, a far better job than we do of actually like spurring on adulthood versus delaying it. And so by the time you were 12 and 13 years old, they were starting to treat you and knight you and commission you as an adult. And so Paul here is writing to a much younger, when he says children, these are those who are completely dependent on mom and dad for kind of everything. This would have been younger. But for us this morning in the culture we find ourselves in, I just would challenge if you are a middle schooler, if you are in high school, if you sit here right now and go, man, my mom and dad pay my rent, they pay my cell phone bill, they pay my health insurance, they make my car payment. Moms and dads, maybe you shouldn't be doing that if your kids are later in their teens, early in their 20s. But if you are dependent on mom and dad for pretty much everything. Like if you envision your life without mom and dad's support and you're like, 
I don't know where I'd be. That sounds terrifying. This is your role. While he's right, Paul's writing to a young audience, I do think in our culture, those of us who are dependent on mom and dad for all of our basic survival necessities, this is you. And so I want you to see, you guys matter to your family. You have an important role in your family and to the church. This is a letter written to a church. And so imagine you're sitting there and you got a letter from Paul and they roll out the scroll and start reading and kids, all of a sudden you find out Paul had something to say to me? That's incredible. You don't, you don't just matter to your family. You matter here. You are important here. You have a role to play here, that's why he writes you a letter. But also, I want us to see you matter to Jesus. When he says that he's reconciled all things, that by him all things were created, he was thinking about you when he made peace by the blood of his cross. Kids, you don't have to wait to be boring old grown-ups to matter. You matter now. You matter so much right now. But also, I want you to see your role as kids, as children, is one of dependence. You need your mom and dad, and that's a good thing. Children, you're to obey your parents in everything. You are in a season, and ask anybody over 30, that season goes fast, where you are in, you get to depend on mom and dad to lead and guide you. I can't tell you how many times I've gone, I need an adult to tell me what to do. And I look around and go, oh, I'm the adult. And that terrifies me. You'll miss this season where you get to be dependent on your parents. Let's look at the role of fathers. Maybe if my iPad, I don't think I have a fingerprint anymore. There we go. Real quick, I think it's important to understand. Paul says, fathers do not provoke your children. That's, that's not letting moms off the hook. What Paul, I believe, is doing here is he's addressing the leader of the home, believing everyone else will follow suit. So moms, you're not like, yes, I get to provoke my kids. He didn't say moms. This is not licensed to go home and nag your kids. That's, he's, he's addressing the leader of the home, believing that wives are going to submit and follow the leadership of the home. They're going to follow dads. And so he's talking to the leader, believing everyone else will follow suit. But, but I want us to see, fathers, your role is incredibly important to your family. You matter a great deal. Let's just throw some conviction on the fire. When you pick up that phone call during dinner, that makes an impact on your family. When you take and stay at the office a few extra hours and miss out on bedtime, that matters to your family. I'm not saying don't provide. I'm not saying don't be a good steward. I'm not saying don't be a good employee. We'll talk about that next week. But your role as a dad, as a mom, matters a great deal. It's incredibly important to your family. It's also incredibly important to the church because you are raising up a family that creates the culture that is this church, that represents what Jesus is doing in the lives 
of his people. So your role matters to the church. It's important to Jesus. It matters because you're raising up kids that he deeply loves and has affection for. Your role as a mom and a dad is incredibly important. And it's such a hard job. We also are dependent. We desperately need Jesus to be able to do this job well. And so let's look now at our responsibilities. Our roles matter, and they're dependent on us beholding Jesus. Let's look back at our responsibilities. Kids, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Anybody, kids, do you wish it didn't say in everything? Do you wish it was like, unless you don't want to clean your room? That'd be nice, right? That's not what Paul tells us, though. Your responsibility as a child, as one who is dependent on mom and dad, is to embrace obedience. That word obey means to kind of understand what they're saying and then do it. it. We also are supposed to endure Is it hard to listen to mom and dad in everything? You guys wish you didn't sit on the front row now. I'm sorry. Um, In everything. So like you're halfway through a movie and dad's like, hey, go clean your room. You all gave me a dirty look for that. Like right now. Like that's super hard. It's hard work to be obedient in everything. And yet children, you're called to be obedient in everything, but I think you should enjoy the fact that you get to obey, because again, this season will be gone, and you'll have to stand on your own two feet and make decisions before you realize it, but also, I think it's important here to understand, and remember, this letter is a letter to the church. There is an assumption on behalf of Pastor Paul, who's writing this letter, that he is writing to people who are being changed by Jesus and seeking to parent children in the Lord. And so kids, like for real, listen to me for just a little bit. If your parents tell you to do something that is harmful, hurtful, sinful, immoral, if they tell you to break the law, if they lead you into harm or trauma or pain, like you need to find a safe adult and tell them. This is not, your, our first obedience is the word of God. And so kids, you need to know your Bibles. Like it's super important. I know you've got it, that's awesome. Like we, kids, you need to know your Bibles because you matter to Jesus, you should care about his word. But Paul here is writing to believing parents, followers of Jesus, believing that they are leading their kids in ways that draw them closer to Jesus. And so kids, like there's too many people in here for me to know everyone's story. If your mom and dad are asking you to do things that make you uncomfortable, that make you question, like this doesn't feel like something Jesus would do. Like all of our Redemption Kids volunteers, me or Pastor Jeff or Pastor Greg, like fine, and just be like, hey, I don't know, like cleaning your room is not a sin. Don't be like, I don't think my parents are good parents. They asked me to pick up my dirty clothes. Like that's good. That's where you endure. That's where it's hard. And that's preparing you for life, when you have to do things you don't want to do. But overall, Paul is believing that your parents are going to lead you in a way that draws you 
closer to Jesus. And so your responsibility is to obey, is to do what they say. But this is hard. And so here's my prayer for you children, for you kids who are in a place of dependence, that you would be strengthened with power according to to the glorious might of Jesus, that you would be able to endure and have patience and joy, giving thanks to God who has qualified you to share in the inheritance, that you would rely on Jesus and walk in obedience to your parents because you matter, because you matter. And when you do that, Paul tells us this pleases the Lord. Kids, just for a second, like, kids, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. Nothing weird is going to happen. Nothing's going to pop out. Like, imagine when you pick up your dirty clothes or clean up your room or put away your dirty dishes. Just for a second, see Jesus smiling. That's what happens when you obey mom and dad. You make Jesus happy. That pleases him. And that should feel good. That should be a desire that you have. And I get to make Jesus feel happy. That's awesome. Obedience pleases the Lord. Fathers, let's look now at our responsibility. He says, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Now, I learned this week as I read different commentaries and things, the idea of provoking your children. Man, people go all over the place. And so I'm just going to kind of like, you guys are going to have to drink from a fire hose here for a second. What does it mean to provoke your children or to not provoke your, your children? I think it means we need to avoid nagging them or fault finding. Only picking out the bad things that they do only pointing out flaws. And I'm just going to ask you, moms and dads, as we run through this list briefly, real quick, like, what resonates with, ooh, I've done that. And I would ask you to, like, sit with that this week. Allow for individuality. Your kids are fearfully and wonderfully made. They are not micro versions of you for you to force and jam into who you want them to be. And I think sometimes one of the ways we provoke our children is we try to live vicariously through them or make them into many versions of ourselves. And we can sometimes squelch and squash their individuality. God has made them who they are on purpose, for purpose. And so our responsibility is then to affirm who they are. Moms, dads, point out the beautiful and wonderful things you see in your kids. Dads especially, I think one of the ways we can provoke our children is to abuse our power rather than use it accurately or well. You are not to sit on the throne of your kingdom in your household and rule from above, but get down in the mess and the muck and show them servant leadership. I think we can abuse our power and view our kids as the ones to, to do all the chores and do all the things we don't want to do and abuse that power and provoke our kids. And then parents, I would just encourage you to be aware of your motives. What's going on in your heart when you discipline your kids, when you speak to your children, when you tell your children, not right now? What's going on inside of you? That's a hard thing to sit with, but vital to us walking as children 
of the king in obedience to this verse. To not provoke our kids because the response, if we provoke them, is they'll become discouraged. And we are to be courage givers, not courage takers. We should be instilling courage into our kids, not robbing them of it. We should be teaching them that they are accepted and loved, not that when they fall short, man, you got to work harder to earn my acceptance. Like when you provoke your kids, you start to teach them, it's only when you do what I want that I'm pleased with you. You need to work harder, and your worth is only really what you do. That can be the subtle message, moms and dads, if we provoke our kids, if we nag them, if we fault find them, if we try to turn them into many versions of ourselves, is we tell them, you're only worth what you're doing for me right now. And dads especially, the terrifying part of this, that maybe you should lose some sleep over, is this ultimately rolls up to how your kids will view God. God reveals himself as father, and you have that same title. That should come with a weight. That should come with a responsibility. And this is why we're dependent on Jesus. And I don't have time to share this story, but I feel like I want to. Um, So cancel lunch plans. This is hard. So a few weeks ago, I I was in the car with one of my kids. And I had begun to notice a pattern in their decision-making and story that was concerning to me as a dad. And so with as much humility and gentleness as in the moment I I knew how, I entered in and I said, I'm a little concerned. Help me understand. But then I brought up an old fault and flaw. And all of a sudden, the tears began to flow. And because I know my child well, I gave time and space to process. I didn't press in. And after a few minutes had passed, I said, can you help me understand why this is so hard? I just asked a question and pointed out a pattern. Help me know why this is so hard right now. And as a dad, I had to hear my kids say, I just can't please you. And it broke me. I'd been stealing courage from my kid. This is hard. And praise God that I I press in to Jesus and behold Jesus because he was present in that moment in the car with me and my child. Because Nate's response in that moment is more anger, more frustration, more discouragement. That's my flesh. But Jesus met myself and my child in the car and gave me the ability to then speak and ask better questions, gave me the courage to to repent and confess to my child. And I feel like I have a better understanding of them and their worldview and their individuality. And none of that is to say, look at how awesome Nate is. Left on my own, if you knew more of my story, I don't respond in 
Colossians 3 tells us to put on holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience. Dads especially, I want to call you to this verse. I don't respond in compassion or kindness or humility. That is Jesus working in and through me because he loves my kid more than he loves, more than I do. This is hard. And all of us, I would call to behold that role of mom or dad and really examine what's going on. Am I taking my responsibility and my role seriously? And so I want us to sit. I'm going to have Alex and Chris come back up. I want us to sit with these questions for just a minute And then I'm going to have Alex pray, and um, I'm going to tell them this as I tell you guys. We're going to do two songs. Did you guys already connect on that? You're good? You can tell him. Sweet. Um, We're changing things on the fly right now. Um, But I want you to sit with, first off, does your life reflect someone who has marveled and not missed out on Jesus? Have you beheld Jesus as Lord and Savior, as the one who reconciled your sin to himself by making peace through the blood of his cross? But then also, man, where do you need to maybe have Jesus change how you view your role and maybe how seriously you've taken your responsibility? And especially dads, moms for sure too, you're not off the hook. But, but maybe there are some things that you could lead out in your family this week and practice some repentance and confession. Maybe you need to look your kids in the face and go, Dad has messed up, but Jesus is so good. That might heal. Hear me, dads. That's you being a warrior and having courage. That's being a man and a father. And so I'm just going to ask us to sit with these questions and allow the Holy Spirit to work. And then we're going to stand and sing a few songs. Let's <laughs> make sure I'm on. <laughs> Let's pray, everybody. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Um, God, it challenges us. God, it challenges me, uh, my heart um, as a man, as a father. Um, God, to demand my will over my little kingdom of my house, Jesus, and um, you're continually asking us to, to give ourselves up to you, um, Father, as parents. Um, I pray for the children, God, that, uh, Lord, it would, would be easy for them to, um, to follow us in obedience because we're pointing to you, God, um, and when we're founded on you, Jesus, we know we stand on the truth. Um, so, Lord, I just pray that we would stand in that and earn compassion, Lord, and the compassion of your Son. Um, in his humility, that we would find humility uh, in his love for us, God, that we would find love for our children, love for our spouses. Uh, Lord Jesus, we just ask that you would lift us up, God, and uh, help us to sink deep into your love uh, as we sing these next couple songs for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.